citizens. How's it going? Sing citizens. I've been singing lots of things lately. I kind of drives me nuts that I can't like be there and like hit you with the Bible when I'm running around. So this being in my way is kind of cray cray. But my name's Courtney. I've met a lot of you, but if I haven't met you, I'm one of the ministers here. We love to give the word. We love to be in community together. This is Citizens. Hopefully you came with a friend. If not, you will make a new friend today. I promise you. Um, but yeah, right now is the time. Man, I love, uh, have you guys heard that last song before? Was that new for you guys? Hope Alive? Do you keep Hope Alive? Was this, did we do this last week? Mmm, memory. Dude, that one's been on repeat for me all week. Like, I love that whole line of, like, there's hope in the morning, there's hope in the break, and there's hope in the start. I've been playing it on my way to work, being like, there is hope this morning because Jesus is alive. And, uh, man, I'm so excited for that. Uh, But right now is the time. It's the time of the Bible, okay? So we're going to dive into the Word. We're going to dive into James. Um, So this is the time where you put the phone in the pocket and the Bible in the hand, and if your neighbor has the opposite, you hit them with the Bible so that they have the Bible, okay? (laughs) Uh, we are jumping back into James, but I have to tell you a little bit something about myself. Hello, my name is Courtney, and I am a one-trip wonder person. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> you know, you got to, like, carry things from one place to another, and you've got a whole stash of things to carry. Who wants to take two trips? Nobody. Nobody wants to take two trips. And I have a dear spouse, and he is patient, and he will go and take multiple trips, and I will, like, she-hulk the whole thing. I'm like, I will take this inside. Even, like, guys, I have done Costco trips after, a, like, a grocery trip, and I'll take the whole thing inside. I've got, like, a box on my back and, like, grocery bags on my arm. You know, where, like, you can't feel your fingers anymore because you've got too many grocery bags on your arm. Clearly, you guys need to be going grocery shopping more. So one trip wonder thing. And the thing that frustrates me the most is when you can't, carry everything at once you know like I literally get like actually offended when like my hands can't fit like the jar of mayonnaise and the jar of pickles at the same time you know like I can't get my finger around the water bottle because I'm holding the mustard (laughs) like I'm offended at my water bottle now because it wouldn't stay in my fingers this is great anybody want some chips maybe maybe I'll get some away at the end I have stuff for a sandwich up here. I think these are jalapeno uh, bagels. <laughs> Chris will always be the closer of any snacks. Dude, but I like, I literally, it is unreasonable. Like it's, it's silly how angry I get when the thing won't fit in my hand. Like I'm like, you will get it in my hand. And I get so angry. There, it's a silly illustration. But the reality is, is there are things in life, I'm sticky now, this is going to drive me nuts, pickles. Uh, There are things in life that you, I'm still sticky, oh no, don't you hate being sticky? (laughs) Sticky like a child. (laughs) Um, There are things in life that you can't carry at the same time. Like, I can't carry my water bottle and my coffee mug in my hand at the same time, even though I like to drink both at the same time. I knew. It's always a seventh grade boy. It's always a seventh grade boy. Or uh, you can't hold your steering wheel and your phone at the same time. (laughs) So the knee driving? It is illegal. Thank you, drivers, for knowing the the truth. You know, 
So there are some physical things that we literally can't hold in our hands at the same time. I was so tempted to kick that spike ball into the front row. This is, I'm going to back up. Some things in life you just can't hold in the same hands, right? And it goes bigger than this. You can't hold uh, humility and pride in the same hand, right? You can't hold love and hate in the same hand. You can't hold bitterness and thankfulness in the same hand. Or with our lives, you can't hold two tracks of your future in one hand. You can't hold two colleges you go to in one hand. You can't choose, I know our seniors are like, can I pick both? You will die. Don't pick both. You can't put two career paths in one hand. There are things that we can't hold in the same hand. And because of that, you have to choose. Am I going to take the jar of pickles or the jar of mayonnaise? Yeah. You can eat a pickle. If you spoon eat a mayonnaise, that's super gross. You know, am I going to hold the steering wheel or my phone, right? Steering, steering wheel. Always steering wheel. In case somebody's wondering. You have to choose which one you're going to hold. And tonight, we are going to be confronted with the scripture. The word is going to speak to us tonight, and, he's, and it's going to show us that there are two things that Christians cannot hold at the same time. There are two things in this life that we cannot hold at the same time. It's impossible to hold at the same time. And the question you're going to have to answer tonight is which one are you going to hold? Which one are you going to put in your hand? Uh, so remember, we are in the book of James. We are in a series called Faith in Action. Um, if the, you're just joining us this week, we've been in James. This is the fourth week in James. And James is a letter written by? Great guess. His name is James. Letter written by James. He is Jesus' brother. He knows a lot of what Jesus said. And James is writing to Jewish Christians who are spread out everywhere because uh, they are being persecuted for what they believe. And James is kind of like a ridiculous author. Like, in one sense, he's very like, sage, wise, I will speak to you in Proverbs. And you're like, I will try to understand. And sometimes he's like, bam, in your face. Do this, don't do that. And you're like, James, it's too hard. Like, he's so confusing sometimes. And we're going to see both of those today. We're going to see the Proverbs come at us. We're going to see James be really clear with us tonight. Um, and we're going to see what... Christians can hold in their hands and what Christians cannot hold in their hands. Um, so let's dive into it. We're in James chapter 2. Has anybody got a, one of those blue Bibles? You know the page number to the blue Bibles? Shout it out. 584? He's lying. It's in the 900s, isn't it? He's making it up too. All right. No more for my middle schoolers. <laughs> James chapter 2, here we go. What's in your hand? That's the question tonight. He says, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in like shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention... To the one who wears the fine clothing, say, oh, you sit here in a good place. While you say to the poor man, like, you stand over there, sit under my feet. Have you not then made distinctions amongst yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith 
and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy, and mercy triumphs over judgment. We're going to break down this section piece by piece and see what the word of the Lord has to say to us today. Um, but James' first message from the top is very clear. He says, show no partiality as you hold the faith. Show no partiality as you hold the faith. This is the whole point. This is the whole idea. Here are the two things that cannot be held at the same time. We're called to hold the faith, not favoritism. Faith and favoritism cannot be held in your hand at the same time. So what is this partiality that James is talking about? What is favoritism? Um, why is it wrong? James is going to break down all of these things. So let's look at it again. It says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and tell him to sit here in a good place. While you say to the poor man, stand over there, or sit under my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? Judges with evil thoughts. We see the first thing about favoritism is that favoritism is a fault of the heart. It's an action that comes out of a heart that is faulty, of a heart that is evil. Favoritism is a fault of the heart. This partiality, prejudice, favoritism, they're all equal words, and they mean to accept or to judge according to looks, outward appearance, or a perceived status. This person's here, there, they're cool, they're rich, they're poor, they're this. It's judging people based on outward appearance. Here's the crazy thing about this text. Well, there's many things. But number one, look who it's addressed to. He says, my brothers, which also means sisters. But what this means is Christians. If you're a Christian here today, this message is for you. Like, lean in, get your Bible open, like, take some notes, because you will be held accountable to what the God of the universe says to us in this text today. This is to Christians. But if you're among here and you're like, man, I don't even know. Like, I don't know if I believe. I don't know if I'm a Christian. Like, I'm just checking out. Man, you're always welcome here. You're always welcome to check it out. And I pray, it is my prayer, that your experience with this community will be what James calls us to today. I pray that your experience with this community will be that people who love each other and don't show favoritism. But this is a call for us Christians to do what God has called us to do. So this church has a particular problem, and it is distinguishing between poor people and rich people. Um, I need two volunteers. 
And specifically, know already that you're going to either be poor or rich, okay? It has nothing to do with you personally. I'm just giving you a role, okay? Okay, who do I want to choose? Who do I want to choose? No. You're already poor? Who said that? That was cute. Um, oh, this is so hard. Okay, is it Evangeline? Yeah, come on down. And Simone, come here. All right, Simone, who do you want to be? I got to move my groceries out of the way. Do you want to be rich or poor? Come on up. I'll make, you want to be the poor person? All right, Simone, I bequeath to you the crown of richness. Evangeline, come on up over here. All right, see if you can fit this on your head. You can wear this the rest of the day, too. You just have to give it back to me. Okay, so this is what happens. These two people come in to the church, right? It says when you are assembled together, a poor person comes in, a rich person comes in. So imagine these two people, you are standing. Look, just the clothing, <laughs> and she's making her stand better. Man, so imagine we're having this regular time. It's citizens. These two people walk in the back, and, I, we, you know, okay, here's your motive. You're just trying to get me to pay attention to you. So do whatever you need to do to get me to pay attention to you, okay? Anything? It, <laughs> within reason. <laughs> within reason. Right? So these two people walk in, and I'm like, oh, my. You are amazing. Your crown is like, please get out of here, sir. You smell. Oh, you look so great. Like, would you like to sit in a nice seat over there? Like, Pete's seat right next is so great. You can sit there. What? <laughs> This is favoritism of that time, right? We're going to give these guys, because they have money, they have wealth, they have riches, they're going to help me out. This person is wearing this, we have one item of clothing in their whole life, which means they work in it, they sleep in it, they do everything in this thing. It's like torn, it's tattered, it's got coffee stains, it's got mud, it's gross. Did coffee exist back then? That is a wonderful question. I don't know, actually. Right? This is how they're judging. Now, how do we do this? Right, maybe this person walks in and they've got some super expensive shoes that, wow. (laughs) Her shoes sparkle. Imagine if they were real diamonds. You're like Cinderella right now. This is great. Right, maybe she's got the right outfit or the right shoes or like just the things are on brand. You know when like somebody walks in the room and they're wearing that thing that you're like, they must come from money. Because nobody can buy that thing, you know? And, like, she comes in like that. And this person comes in, like, maybe they haven't gotten a wardrobe change since, like, elementary school, you know? They still have got the, like, Care Bear shirt on. And, like, you're like, oh, I'd rather talk to this person, (laughs) right? We do this all. You guys can take a seat. You can take your items with you. Just bring them back at the end of the day. (laughs) We, uh... They may have had that problem with the rich or the poor, but we have this imaginary status bar in our brain. Like, we see someone, and we're already like, Uh, 90% reputation booster. We see this person, ooh, takes down reputation by 30%. We are constantly judging people and going back and forth. It may not be, it may be those who we consider to have money and wealth, but for us, Sometimes it's just those who we think will, like, boost our status to get us a better reputation. If I can get in with that group, I'll be cool. And sometimes it's like, ooh, they're the cool kids. I want to get in with them. And some of you, it's like, dude, they're the cool kids. I hate them. I want to get in with the nerds. But either way, we're, like, 
We're still evaluating people up and down. The poor in our situation are those who cannot increase your status. They can't do anything for you. They can't make your life any better or exciting, right? And we're always doing this when we walk into a, a room, you know? We come in here and we're like, ooh, I will talk to that person if I have to. But as soon as this person comes in, I'm definitely talking with them and trying to dish this person. Right? We, we've all done that. When you walk in this room, are you evaluating where to sit and where to avoid? How are we measuring up people in our mind? Man, when we think this way, when we're evaluating people based on what they can do for our reputation. Guys, when I was in school, I know I've pulled this card a lot, but I was definitely the band nerd. But I, like, wasn't the nerdy, nerdy band nerd. Like, there was the band nerds that played Dungeons and Dragons. And I wouldn't hang out with them because they would definitely take my cool meter down. And it's already low because I'm a band kid, you know. So, like, I didn't hang out with those kids even though they were my friends. Guys, we do this. And when we do that, especially here in the church, he says, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Become judges with evil thoughts because we're judging people from an outward appearance, from a status that we think they have. We do this here internally, and it's even more evil when we do that outside of this building, when there are people who are needy, who need our care and our help, and we avoid them because of the way that they look or because they're intimidating or something. Man, we have become judges with evil thoughts thoughts, and it is about our hearts. Favoritism shows that we have hearts and thoughts and motives that are bent on evil, not on love, not on care, not on these things. And so we see first that favoritism is a fault of the heart. And remember, we can't hold two things at once. We can't hold faith and favoritism together. So we are called to hold the faith and not favoritism. But does favoritism ever actually work out? Does that ever actually work out for anybody? Like, oh, I favor these people. Maybe, you know, I'll actually get into this group. Let's see what James says. Tell us about that. He says, listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised those who love him, but you have dishonored the poor man? Are not the rich ones the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? See, we see that favoritism is a fault of the heart, but favoritism also defames the name of Jesus. Favoritism defames the name of Jesus. The answer to the question, does favoritism actually work in your favor, is a big no. <laughs> a big no. And it's a big no for three reasons, and it's in this text. One, we miss the ethic of the kingdom of God. He says, has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? Those who we think that are less than, those who we think whose status are lower, those who we think are trying to avoid, the literally those who are in need or need our help or need our care, aren't they the ones that inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus, in his first sermon, okay, the opening lines to his sermon are, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Literally the first thing Jesus said. 
See, those who lack actually find that they have it all, and those who seek to gain in this life will find that they have nothing. Sure, you schmoozed all the cool people, all the wealthy people, all the people who want your status, people who you want to be like, the group you want to get in. Sure, you schmoozed it. Cool, you're in the group. That's all you have. So when that's over, when that thing fades, when those people turn against you, was it worth it? When we are partial against people, we miss those who God has blessed, and we miss out on that blessing. So favoritism doesn't work because we miss the ethic of the kingdom of God, but also the group that you're trying to schmooze, the group that you're trying to, like, get in your reputation once, he says, aren't the rich the ones who are trying to oppress you? Like, they're the, it turns out that these rich people, that, like, they come into the church and they're like, oh, rich people, please, like, sit in the good place, let us help you. These are the same rich people that because they don't like Christians are persecuting them and taking their land. Like, they're dragging them into courts and taking their land from them. Like, how, how is that working for you? Like, you've judged this person on the outside, and they're actually turning against you. Have you ever been in a situation where you fought so hard to, like, be in a friend group? Or you fought so hard to get close to this person? Or, like, you've postured yourself on social media and all the things. Like, I'm cool. I do things like them. I wear the same shoes. I wear my hair the same way. Like, and then you finally get it in that group, and you realize, like, oh, man, this is the biggest drama mess I've ever been a part of. Like, why did I get involved with these people? You know? <laughs> like, you get in there and find that it's not what you thought it was going to be. And the people that you've been trying to schmooze up to actually turn against you. See, favoritism doesn't work because we miss the kingdom of God. It comes back to bite you in the face. And ultimately, it gives a bad name to Jesus to the Christians, to the church, right? So remember, this is about the beloved brothers. This is about the Christians in this community. And they're schmoozing up to these people who don't even follow Jesus. In fact, it's not only do they not follow Jesus, but they outwardly, like, mock Jesus and slander him. Like, remember that group that you fought so hard to get into? Have you ever got in there and realized, like, oh, I'm surrounded by, like, really bad people, <laughs> Like, these people aren't Christians. They, like, mock the things that I believe. And these people who are, like, persecuting others and cursing the name of Jesus, like, you're now one of them. Oh, man. The most grievous part about favoritism is that it gives a bad name to Jesus and it gives a bad name to Christians. I mean, we've pampered and honor and you know like those weird like Instagram post brags where it's like these girls just became friends and suddenly they're like posting about each other as if they're like the greatest friends of all time like I love this person she's my girl like you just met five minutes ago you know and you're post bragging about these people to get into this group um, and to get part of their status and finally you get in this crowd of people and it's like they're mocking Jesus when the world looks at Christians, what do they see? They just see another group of people of backstabbing and gossiping and fighting. They see a group of people who are just as cruel and unloving and prejudiced as the rest of the world. Like, is that our reputation? This is what favoritism does to the name of Jesus. It drags it through the mud. 
who are you trying to impress right now? Like, who are you trying to impress right now with your life? Are we more concerned about our name, our reputation, the name of Jesus? And if you claim to be a Christian, if you're in this room and you're like, yeah, I follow Jesus, what does your life and your words and your actions say about Jesus? Say about his community, say about who he is. Favoritism is a fault of the heart. It's an evil inside of us. It defames the name of Jesus. But we want to be people who hold the faith and not favoritism. We want to hold the faith and not favoritism. But maybe at this point you're like, is favoritism really that bad? I mean, everybody likes somebody more than somebody else. Like, everybody does it. Is it really that bad? Like, is it really sin? And again, James loves to punch us in the face, says, yeah, it is. It is sin. He says this, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point, has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy, and mercy triumphs over judgment. So we saw that favoritism is the fault of the heart and defames God's name. But the last piece here. Favoritism fails the law of love. It fails in meeting up to the law of love. Again, we read these lines above, and we're like, man, okay, is favoritism, like, really that bad? Like, really, like, really bad? Like, is it really sin? Like, is it really bad that I may prefer some people over other people, that I would like to bring these people along and not these people? Like, everybody prefers other people. Um, and again, James is answering yes, and he's going to answer it to us from the scriptures, from the law. See, the people who James is writing to are Jews. They're very familiar with God's law. Okay, now God's law was written out so that there would be a group of people who live in a way that bright and boldly proclaim the goodness of God. That was the point of the law. And turns out, people suck. Okay. So over the years, everything just kept getting worse. And so they're like, well, I didn't think I had to make a law about not sleeping with your neighbor's wife, but now I have to, okay? I didn't think about making a law where, like, I can't kill my neighbor's sheep, but now I have to, okay? And so all these laws get made up, and by the time Jesus is on the scene, the law is big, and there are lots of pieces to it. And there are some law experts, they push up their glasses, and they say, Jesus, they're not British, definitely not British. Uh, it's my only go-to accent. They say, Jesus, what is the greatest law? And here's what Jesus says. He says, one, first law, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second greatest commandment is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus sums up everything that God wanted his people to be into two things. Love God with your whole self 
and love others greatly. And James is harping on this. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He's bringing up this royal law, this law of liberty, and he's connecting these two, right? He's saying that when you show the favoritism, you're breaking the law of loving one another. When you judge without mercy, you're breaking the law of loving one another. And guess what? If you break the law of loving one another, you're actually also breaking the law of loving God. And how does he prove this to us? Oh, man. This is, like, one of my favorite parts. Right, so he says, if you transgress one part of the law, you transgress all. You're like, wow, James, that's not very kind. Like, I just made one mistake. And then he does this example. He's like, oh, I got to go back one. He goes, okay. It's like a guy that comes up and says, like, I am such a good person. I am such a good person. Let me tell you I'm such a good person. I love God. I think he's really great. Um, I have not committed adultery. I have not slept with or been intimate with anybody who is not my spouse. I honor God with my body. I love him so much. I do exactly what God wants. I just sort of kind of murdered someone yesterday. <laughs> like, no big deal. He's dead in my backyard, but it's just murder. Like, it's fine. It's just murder. You're like, um, 911? <laughs> like, I'm with a crazy person. Like, that is a lawbreaker, right? Like, he, you're like, yeah, you commit one, not all of them, but that's still super bad, right? Like, James is comparing that to us, right? We go, it's the same thing as a Christian who goes, man, I love God. I am a good person. I go to church every week. I do a Bible study with some friends. I also have my own daily devotional. I pray, like, every day, um, and I sort of just kind of hate that person right over there. No big deal. I just don't want to talk to that person. It's fine. Everyone's fine with that. I just don't want to invite them to anything. Come on. You break the law of loving one another. You break the law of loving God. It's combined. It's together. Another biblical author would say it this way. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother... He's a liar. He doesn't love God. These two things are combined. Favoritism fails the law of love. He calls us to love one another, not to judge them without mercy. And so he ties this section up, this section on favoritism, with this description of a beautiful mercy. A beautiful mercy. He says, mercy triumphs over judgment. See, mercy, the same word mercy, is translated in the Old Testament as steadfast love. Steadfast love, this love that is unfailing, it's unconditional, it doesn't matter what you've done, it keeps going. We're called to live this kind of love of loving one another steadfastly, of giving, of caring, of supporting, no matter what they look like, no matter their status, no matter what you think, um, what they'll do to your reputation, you're called to love and give and serve and care. And guess what? We're warned that if we fail to give this kind of love, this kind of mercy, this kind of care to others, we will not receive the same mercy. 
Jesus said this as well. The measure which you give is the measure that will return back to you. And we're called to love. Because in the kingdom of God, mercy or steadfast love triumphs over judgment. It triumphs over judgment. And so we can look at this and we hear James. We say, okay, I can only fit one thing in my hand. I can either hold faith or I can hold favoritism. But man, is it really hard to drop favoritism. Like I regularly fail loving others well. I regularly fail loving God well. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Steadfast love triumphs over judgment. And steadfast love does and did triumph over the judgment that we deserved. You see, Jesus regularly hung out with sketchy people, okay? Like people that you're like, Mama wouldn't want me to hang out with them. Like he regularly hung out with people who were like swindlers, liars, all kinds of bad people. People who were like poor, people who the rest of the people cast aside, women. Like it was super, like people that, this, people that society was like, nope. Like Jesus regularly hung out with. And those who were like super God followers were like, Jesus, why are you hanging out with those people? And he tells us in Matthew 9, it's because he came not for the self-righteous, but for those who needed a good physician. He came for those who needed him. Man, we're all sinners. We're all lawbreakers. We all fail this law of love. And we fail in countless of other ways. But there was one who held faith perfectly. And the mercy that he gives to us is that he took our judgment. He took the judgment of death that we deserved. And he gives us his mercy and love. He gives us his life. No matter our appearance or what we look like or if we think we're good enough or if we think we've gone too far or if we think that God would never, ever invite him, invite me into his house. He does. Jesus died and lived again so that you could come into the household of God. So that you can be a part of this family. And so as we close James for a week, He's got a nice punch to our face. We'll handle it for this week. Come back for next week. We ask these questions. Are you in this family? Are you in this family? Are you in the family of God? And if you're not, if, it's, if you haven't come to the place where you're like, man, Jesus is so good and I want to follow him, man, I pray, I pray, I pray that you see this community and a God who has a steadfast love for you, who has a mercy for you that is beyond anything you've ever known. If you are in this family, if you say, yeah, I'm a Christian, like Jesus has brought me to his family, are we continuing this law of mercy and love to those sitting in this room right now and in this community. I want you to get real honest with yourself. Is there anybody here that you're like avoiding eye contact with? That you're like, when they walk in the auditorium, you're like, oh, I'm walking out. Like, when you see them coming, you want to walk the other way. Like, are there people in here that you are showing favoritism to? It's time to drop the favoritism. Because if you claim to have faith in Jesus, you can't hold favoritism.
This is a community where the mercy that we've received, we give back to one another. We can't hold favoritism because we realize it's a fault of the heart. It defames the name of Jesus. Ah, oh, may the world never look at this church and say, they don't love each other. We know that favoritism fails this law of love. Let us be people who hold the faith and not favoritism. Knowing that Jesus is the one who gave mercy to us, who held the faith perfectly. As we get ready to close tonight and the band comes up, I want you to just close your eyes and think through honestly, like, like Lord, where, where have I shown favoritism to people around me? Where have I looked at certain people and thought, Man, I don't want to talk to them. They take my reputational meter down. Have there been people that you're trying to get in with or trying to impress because you think that they'll take your reputation up? You're right. It's true. We all have it. But the Lord is working that out in us. May the Lord give us mercy for others that he gave to us. Let me pray for us.